I'm Sinead O'Moore and you are listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland, made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. From fertility to birth, careers, relationships and to taking care of ourselves, here we talk about the real experiences of parenthood. The love, the loss, the unexpected and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy winning months. Water Wipes winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2022, including Best Baby Wipes, are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. In this episode, we talk to positive psychologist, author and primary school teacher Fiona Foreman about her new book, Braver Than You Believe, a parent's guide to building children's resilience using positive psychology skills. A former teacher and now full-time author, Fiona's new book aims to equip parents with the necessary skills to raise confident and resilient children in today's challenging world. We talk about how important it is to accept and to regulate our own emotions, and to offer this as the best guide possible for our children to learn from. And she offers wonderful advice on how to change how we talk to our children about their feelings, which can have a powerful impact on their confidence, resilience, and emotional well-being. Fiona, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. Um, we share a lot of experiences on this podcast designed to support parents and whatever they're trying to figure out next. And one conversation I am having more regularly, I find actually, as my daughter's age, is the impact of their emotional and mental health and how I'm supposed to adapt to, you know, be being a parent who needs to understand that part of it. It used to be, how do I get them to sleep? And how do I get them to wean? And how do I get them to play with their toys? And are they hitting their developmental leaps? And how am I? And am I going back to work? And am I adjusting to my relationships and my identities and all these things? And recently myself as well, and I suppose that's why I'm probably having these conversations because a, a few of the my friendship group are, were all kind of tracking with the same age group. And definitely emotional well-being is kind of where we're struggling most right now. I just feel the sense of overwhelm, Sinead, even listening to all that. Thanks <laughs> so much for the opportunity for popping on. Um, yeah, I mean, parenting in the modern age is so, so complicated. We're supposed to, I, I, I'm a little bit in terms of age, my children are older than yours. So I have been there, done that. I never would like to say I have it all sewn up because I haven't, but each, uh, as you said there, each phase brings its own unique challenges. And it is interesting to just be aware, yes, there are going to be new challenges and they can feel overwhelming. But as I often say, as I say to parents often, you know, we can trust our instincts. We know our children better than anybody else does. And I think there's information overload out there for parents. And of course, I am one of those people providing that information. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. But Honestly, even when I was starting my parenting journey, my daughter's 26, um, there wasn't that much. You know, I think we were able to actually just trust our instincts a little bit more. 
go with the flow. Social media wasn't there, obviously, as well. The images of perfection that are out there, the idea that we have to have, we have to know everything and do it all right is very, very overwhelming. You know, so first thing is just to take a step back and to realize, well, you know, this is a natural journey. And um, we do know, we, we know more than we think we know if we give ourselves a chance to just come off autopilot sometimes and just make space sometimes for thinking about what's really important, what, you know, what's the, what's the best thing to do here and tuning in to your children and, you know, focusing on starting at a certain point of, of meeting them where they are, not where maybe you think they should be or where somebody else's child is, you know. So again, trusting yourself as a parent, I think is a huge thing. And parents, I think younger parents are losing that trust in themselves. So trust yourself. And of course, you're not going to always get it right either. And I love the idea, we just have to be good enough as parents. Good enough. And my children will laugh saying, oh mom, you know, we could, we could blow your cover, say all the things that you've done wrong. And I say, no, I'm not trying to be a perfect parent. Um, it's just really trusting your instincts slowing down and again of course looking at the science and looking at the evidence out there as to what's the best thing to do but trust as a starting point and give yourself a break uh, take that pressure off we have to teach our children so much you know from the moment that they're born we have to you know even teach them that we're their caregiver and that you know they need to trust us and it goes from there but what I don't feel equipped with is how to teach my children to, I suppose, feel their emotions and be okay with their emotions. That, you know, I I feel like when they were so little, their emotions were uh, primal. And, you know, I'm hungry, I'm tired. You know, you took that thing off me that I want. (laughs) Um, Or I miss you and connection. And and that was kind of hard one, actually. I'm still in that, you know, processing the emotion of, of, being away from them or anything Mm. like that but uh, they get more complex and more complicated almost Mm. with each season passing and Mm. how do we begin the process of kind of even talking to our kids about oh you're feeling that now that's what that is Mm -hmm. again I think we have to start with ourselves you know and again being aware and tuned into our own emotions and how we deal with our own emotions is a starting point. And many of us didn't learn this formally. I certainly didn't learn this formally in school um, or, you know, learn these skills. So again, you may have helpful ways of dealing with your emotions or you may, you may not. So I think, you know, first of all, think about, well, how am I, how am I with my own emotions? How am I with um, accepting all my own emotions? How do I regulate my emotions? Because of course, children do what we do, not what we say. So they're going, they're looking at us first and foremost as to our emotions acceptable in the, in this house. You know, is it okay? Uh, or you know, because there is <laughs> there's such a thing as toxic positivity. Mm. I know I'm from the field of positive psychology, positivity being so important. But it's very important to steer clear of toxic positivity and to be aware positivity is really important. But equally important is to be able to befriend and accept all of our emotions in a helpful way. So think about how you do that for yourself, first and foremost. We judge ourselves uh, an awful lot of the time. We feel we shouldn't be feeling anger as parents or, or, you know, or, you know, worry or sadness when really, you know, emotional regulation is very much about accepting. Yeah, all those emotions are just information and having an, an attitude of gentle curiosity. And if you can kind of have that approach in your home, 
it's easier said than done. A lot of these things I know when I talk about them, they sound, <laughs> sound so great, but you know, they're hard won, these kind of things, but gentle curiosity to all emotions um, from an early age, you know, and looking at your own reaction to their emotions because they sense early on if they're sad, if they're upset, if they're angry, and um, if they sense that you're you're not okay with that, that's when they start to learn, God, I shouldn't be feeling angry or I shouldn't be feeling sad or I shouldn't be upset. And that can lead to then difficulties later on with children uh, suppressing or avoiding emotions or becoming overwhelmed. So it's a very gentle approach um, and to just, awareness is so important, you know? Um, and again, how are we going to give that idea to children that all emotions are okay? Having conversations early on, I don't know if you've heard of the phrase name it to tame it, even naming, you know, if your child is starting to get upset or you're getting upset, they say, oh, you seem a little bit sad there. You seem a little bit angry. Name it to tame it. Also, what that does is it validates. So you want to validate. So often it is a case of, oh, you, you, you're looking, you look angry. You seem a bit sad. It's okay to feel sad. You know, so that's how they can kind of decrease the intensity of those emotions. And I love the idea of um, emotions as energy in motion. I don't know if you've come across that. They should let have them in and let them out. Middle and an end. So for a lot of children, there's no end. <laughs> you know, they get stuck in, in, in negative emotions. So how to process them. But uh, making space for them all, not being afraid of them. And you see, we get very upset sometimes when our children are upset. I still get upset. My son was upset last week. He's 23. He came home from college. He was <laughs> going on a big rant about all the things. And of course, my, my first reaction is I wanted to fix everything. Mm. I wanted to give him advice. But I know now, and he's old enough to tell me, he just wants me to listen. Mm. He just wants me to say, that's actually awful. This is horrible. Can we sit and watch something on TV and have a cuddle? And, you know, that's the kind of approach that we need to take. Validate and yes, comfort a lot of the time. But as a parent, I want to minimize. Mm -hmm. And I know from, you know, like your book and other sources, mm -hmm. that's not the right plan. But it's instinctive in me when my children are upset about something, I find myself in this like script and I don't mean it I don't know it's probably coming from everything else that has ever been said to me but you know of like oh don't worry about that oh that's fine oh that's not oh sure that's you know even if they fall oh you're not sore it's fine it's not a big deal come on now you know and I'm not it's not in my um immediate nature I suppose to sort of be like oh yeah, okay, let them say or feel oh. it. I want to minimize it for yeah. two reasons. One, I want them not to be afraid or concerned that something is a really big deal. I, I want to sort of reassure them. But two, I also want to move on with our lives. You know, so <laughs> it's an impatience as well. You're so honest, Sinead, because it is true that a lot of the time it is, it's ourselves that we're thinking about because the hassle of actually... <laughs> Yeah. letting them express and how and how that affects us we want to avoid that so it's very hard and I think what you're talking about is the fact that we are an autopilot a lot of the time and we have culturally that's the way we were brought up ourselves I was certainly brought up that way to kind of minimize and to just get on with it and that was a kind of a view of what resilience was as well or just getting on with it mm. um, but we know now that that's actually not that's actually not helpful 
because um, it's the idea of accepting that we're vulnerable, accepting that we're going to feel all these emotions um, and allowing them to be validated. So even when you say something like, don't worry or don't cry, and it's so hard. I know it's really, really hard. But again, um, if you can give, if you can just say something like, um, oh, you know, I see you're very upset. I'd cry too if I was, if that happened to me. That validates. And when I started to do this approach, um, with the children that I worked with, particularly uh, in primary school, it, it was really incredible because a lot of them would stop crying because they were heard. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, she gets it. She knows I'm upset. Um, and again, I think often think about what you would do to a friend who was in that situation. And um, you wouldn't minimize it as quick. You wouldn't jump in to fix. And really, parenting is is just. A similar type of relationship where we just take too much pressure on ourselves that you know we should be sorting out everything for our children they shouldn't be feeling these things we don't do it for anybody else so just to kind of take that that slant off it but of course it is it doesn't feel it feels strange our instinct again i think it comes from when you have that your baby handed to you your tiny baby the huge instinct to protect so you know we're trying to get that balance between protecting and preparing you know because if we do too much of protecting and minimizing, then we're not giving them the opportunity to experience the emotions first and foremost. Because by experiencing all the emotions, that's how they learn to cope with the emotions. Like I remember my, when my daughter, for example, I have it in the book when scale talked. She was 14 and she was so, so upset. Mm-hmm. And we went down to visit her. And it was one of the hardest things. She still kind of gives out to me today about it. We still laugh about me it. Me too. I'm like, why would you send me down there? Well, she was happy to go. But when we went to visit her, you know, on the Sunday, oh my God, she was roaring, crying and clinging on to me and saying, take me home. Now, what do you do in that situation, Sinead? Do you know? Uh, and my husband was like, you're the expert on this. Now you mm. make that decision. <laughs> helpful. I knew, I, yeah, very, very helpful. Um, I knew deep down that it wasn't the right thing to do, even though all my instinct would be. So this is where I kind of have to get out of the emotional reaction and think, what's, what's the learning opportunity here? What's the best thing for her? And I said, look, I know this is really, really hard, but I'm not going to take you home. I was crying myself. I really feel you, because you know, I knew she was safe. That's the other thing. You know, I said, I know you're safe here. They're going to look after you. I feel, you know, I didn't want to sugarcoat it. I was like, I think, you know, it will be difficult for you, but I think you'll learn. This sounds so harsh mm. um, that you were, you're able to cope. And she accepted that, but it, was, it wasn't easy. But that's an example of how your instincts are pulling you. And somebody else might say, no, I will bring her home. And I'm not saying that's, that's the right thing to do. But Nobody tells you these difficult decisions you have to make as a parent, you know, and and you're always second guessing yourself. Only now that mine are older, I'm able to look back and be in this position and say, well, do you know what? That was the right thing to do, thankfully. And she'll say it because, you know, the year after she went to ballet camp and she said she did feel very homesick. But the experience of being able to cope with those feelings yeah. uh, was able to, uh, she was able to kind of draw on them. It's very, very hard. But I mean, from a very, very, very early age, we can start sending these messages. This is tough. This is hard. I know you're validating it. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, the first day of childcare or the Mm -hmm. first days of school when they're so Mm -hmm. little. And like you in that moment, there are there are there are necessities. It's like I don't have a choice about taking you home with me because either, you know, parents have to go to work or you know well school is school and it's just the rule that you have to that you have to head on in so it's almost like 
there comes these moments where life interrupts our maternal sort of impulses where we would, if we could, just wrap them up and take them home. And I feel like it's a shared experience because you as well as a parent have to face an emotion, cope with the emotion, process it, get on with the day. And somewhere along the way, you might look back and be like, God, remember, we both found that really hard, but actually today we find it really easy. And again, it is that kind of those repeated opportunities, you know, to practice, you know, cope those coping skills in those difficult situations that we do get more used to them. It's, it sounds difficult, but it is called distress tolerance. And I know that sounds so negative. And nobody tells you that, you know, you're going to have to, your child isn't going to, you know, always be happy and always have everything going well for them, that there are going to have opportunities, there are going to be situations where they're distressed and how are we going to help them to cope with that um, and build their resilience muscles. Resilience is like a muscle that they build, that they learn well. That was a challenge. And of course, when children are smaller, they do that very naturally. They learn, you know, they're learning to walk, they fall, they pick themselves up, mm. you know, they cry, but we know they're fine, you know, so, you know, we pick them up and we keep going. So, I mean... It's, it's just a learning curve all the way along. And it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to see a child upset, but you always have to ask yourself, you know, I, I need to validate this. And, you know, then if the child, when we are actually validated in our emotions, we actually, it actually calms the emotional response. So rather than minimizing it. So it does actually help in the long run. What has been, in your professional opinion, the impact of them not having those resilience muscles stretched during lockdown when they were in their consistent environments I'm seeing a lot of that I do a lot of work with schools and I go into schools and talk to teachers I do a lot of parent talks as well and there's a huge demand for it now at the moment because what we're seeing is um children particularly younger children who have missed you know I think about two and a half years of normal schooling uh, you know, or nor- normality, whatever it's called, and that they definitely are. Uh, and again, research shows that they are experiencing increased levels of separation anxiety, anxiety in general, restlessness, um, and anxiety. So the first thing I say is it's normal. You know, we're coming out of two years of two and a half years, whatever, of a very difficult situation of trauma and stress. Um, and children have missed out on the opportunities, the normal kind of opportunities to, you know, um, develop their social skills, mix, you know, deal with challenging situations. So like the first thing I say is, first of all, don't worry too much about it because it is normal. And, you know, what else can we expect, really? They are going to be impacted. And the second thing is you have to be very patient and kind of use everything. If we're seeing particular behaviours or you know, things that they're a little bit restless or anxious about. We just have to be very, very patient and kind of be very curious and try and figure out how can we best support them. We sometimes rush again in that instinct to to fix and judge. We can get a bit panicky and think, oh, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. Instead of saying, you know what, this is okay. This is a developmental situation because of COVID. And over time, all the research shows that over time children do uh, some children take them a little bit longer than others, but they do tend to recover from those kinds of um, challenges. But again, just tuning in, support, nurture, being patient. And if you're seeing particular, um, you know, behaviours or difficult behaviours to really, really, you know, zone in on them, 
in a very kind of more formal way as to how you might start to to you know support them or or help them with those behaviors but definitely and prioritize you know in schools i always say that you know don't be worrying about the, the academics now at the moment if children are, are, are feeling a little bit anxious or you know have separation anxiety focus on that focus on those kind of emotional regulation skills first and foremost let other things go very hard to focus on everything at the same time so you know what can you let go of what can you slow down a little bit and give them that chance to kind of catch up um, and not worry too much about it so it's patience time and talking that's brilliant patience time and talking exactly tuning in and again, our presence, you know, we are on autopilot, we are very busy a lot of the time. And uh, I know, you know, if you have small children, particularly when you're working, uh, you can be on autopilot. Even if you just put a little bit of time aside a day where you're fully present, five or 10 minutes, you don't have to be fully present for them all the time. But if they know that you're there for them, tuned into their needs, you'll find out stuff. And, um, you know, and again, sometimes we forget the importance of play and fun. I do often say that. I was reading research recently about children in the pandemic and children who had an opportunity to play, to have fun, to have, uh, to enjoy and um, the freedom actually came out better out of it, you know, so giving them that opportunity to, to play, to have fun um, and that is their way of coping with stress as well uh, and worry is to, give, you know, some children are very overscheduled, I think, mm-hmm. so they never get that opportunity. But again, trusting your instincts. Um, that they will come out of it and again patience time talking fun and um, all, all those kind of positive uh, elements of it sometimes we we rush in to alleviate the difficulties we forget that sometimes we can build on the positives the positive side of things and that's the best use of our time sometimes too one thing that i don't know popped up on my feed at some point <clears throat> and has always stayed with me is that um when your child says mama will you play with me it's the equivalent of your partner coming in saying I had a tough day. Yes. And it, I, I think it came, I came across it at a point where we were in that state of being at home and um, Mama, will you play? Mama, will you play? was kind of the soundtrack to the day. Mm-hmm. And I was saying no more than yes. Mm. Out of life necessity, of course. I was saying no more than yes. But it, I'll never forget, I suppose, now when I hear those words, Mm. they're not always, it's not always true. It's not always that they've had a bad day. Sometimes it is because they just really want to play. But I make myself, if possible, try. And even if it's 30 seconds, just to check, is this because of something more than play? Um, And usually within a couple of minutes of me kind of engaging in it, like I can step away and I'm not even noticed. <laughs> so, uh, but sometimes it does unlock mm-hmm. something that I didn't know was being felt or going on. Mm, that's lovely. And it's so, so true. It's, it's called a little, a bid, a bid for connection. Yeah. The child says that they just want, um, you know, they just need the comfort, they need the, the nurture. And the great point you made there, it doesn't have to be long, mm. you know, 10 or 15 minutes. I was actually reading research recently where they were saying a five minute um you know you know playing and interaction with your child where you're fully present but that is very important because we are so distracted you know you could be the same room as your child they could be doing stuff you can be on your phone doing stuff that's not the same so the five minutes where it's child-led 
you know, even if you say, what do you want to do? You know, will we do, you know, or what, 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 what are you playing there? And um, it just gives them that sense of your support, your validation, you're there for them. And again, okay, a friend of mine was saying recently that no matter how much time she spends, her child still wants more attention and still wants more and that guilt. But the realisation is, no, the five or ten minutes is enough, even twice a day to do that. Mm. And of course they will want more. Um, and, you know, you might, you don't have to feel guilty then after that. You know, that's where you head into good moments. enough parenting. Exactly. And you say, yeah. well, look, no, I gave you the five or ten minutes yeah. and that's all I've got. Exactly. And they also have to learn you know that you have other things to you know your work yeah, it's boundaries. little boundaries as well but it is lovely and again the small moments of connection really make a big difference you know and then you have that channel open but as they get older they know you're emotionally available to them it's that idea of emotional availability that if they have a problem or they have a difficulty you want them to be able to tell you um, and you don't want them to think oh you know mom's too busy for that or you know and, and like I love that there's another phrase you know if you want children to tell you the, 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 the things uh, when they're bigger, you have to be uh, letting them tell you the things when they're small as well, you know, so that it's building up that kind of sense of trust and connection all the way through. This podcast is just one way that every mum can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. And I mean, as adults, we all we all experience anxiety on a daily basis, whether it's, you know, an ang- like something minor, like you have to, you know, ring that utility provider and cancel the bill. And there's just a feeling of, oh, I don't want to make this phone call or else it's, you know, something really big and important. Like it's always present in us. So it's not like, of course, it's always going to be present in our children as well as they you know, are told, come on now, you have to you have to play this football match. And they're like, I don't know how to play the football match or whether it's starting school or whatever it is. But as a parent, where do you start to identify the difference and the line between my child is experiencing a very natural, real, but I don't need to be worried about level of anxiety. Yeah. And where it, and, and where my child is experiencing anxiety that is higher than it should be. And therefore, I do need to step in and figure out what yeah, is the right thing to do. Question. It is a continuum, as you said. And I think the main thing to always, as I talked about normalizing emotions from an early age, anxiety is, is an emotion to be normalized. Hmm. It's OK to worry. I mean, I've got programs all the way up from infants to, to, to 15 year olds now. And one of the first lessons is it's okay to worry, you know? So to tell children, it's okay to worry. Worry is a sign that you care. Worry is a sign that you're trying to prepare. Um, and it's what you do with the worry that's important. So not to judge the worry. So as a starting point, it's okay to worry. I dealt a lot with children with, with generalized anxiety disorder and, and, and worries. And the first thing I always said was, you know, God, there you are. You know, you, you like to worry about things. That's the way your brain likes to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be very positive because it means you're always going to be prepared and you're always going to be one step ahead. Uh, but the only thing is you don't want the worry to be controlling your behavior. So normalizing worry, making sure that it's okay to worry, but we know what to do when we're worried. And then it becomes a problem if you start to see it impacting on your child's day-to-day life. 
So if the child is saying, oh, I don't want to play football or I don't want to go swimming, um, but they still do it. You know, so again, I always, there's a great phrase, feel worried, feel anxious, do brave. Mm. So anxiety and worry is a sign that you're going to have to be brave. So tapping into children's sense of bravery is really, really important. And again, the idea that being brave doesn't mean you're not worried. You know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the idea of I'm afraid, but I'm going to do it because it's something I really want to do or it's something I know that I have to do. And of course, for you to normalize that as well, like, you know, for you to be saying, look, I'm anxious. I'm worried a little bit worried about doing this, but I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but I'm still going to do it. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel afterwards? But again, if they start, if you start to see avoidance behaviors, that's a big one. So if they, if they really don't, if they really stop wanting to do certain things that, you know, that really they, they are good for them. Uh, or if you start to see physical symptoms, uh, the children I worked with would have had, would have been exhibiting those physical symptoms like headaches or tummy aches and so on. Because of course, anxiety uh, affects our, our physical um, body as well. And um, so it's, it's not just an emotion. There will emotion, you know, are felt in our bodies as well. So if you start seeing those, then it's a kind of a sign to say, maybe I need to investigate this a little bit more and get a little bit of professional help. But I think definitely to normalize it and to say uh, anxiety and worry is a sign of our brain trying to keep us safe, you know, and to have that kind of gentle curiosity. Here's your brain trying to keep you safe. That's what I would say to children. God, you're worried about that. Here's your brain just trying to keep you safe. It's just uh, going a little bit over, overboard. And with over children, uh, older children from about eight, nine, you can have, you know, try and have a little bit of lightness about it. You know, there, there you go. There's your brain again trying to protect you. Now, what are you going to do about that? Mm. So it's it just adopting that kind of have, talking about it, uh, not rushing in to fix it, putting them in control as well. If they have a particular worry, um, what do you think we should do about it? I also love the idea of worry time. I don't know if you've heard of the idea of worry time. Worry time is if children are a bit older and they are prone to worry. But to set aside a certain time during the day, uh, 10 or 15 minutes to say, do you know what, we'll chat about that at worry time. And what it does is it just kind of ring fences. If, it, if a worry pops up for them again, they can say, oh, I'll talk to mom at that, you know, at worry time and we'll, we'll work it out. So again, if you're doing that thing again, talking, normalizing and reassuring, you do want to reassure them as well. So there is loads that you can do. But if you see those um, effects uh, where it's affecting their end of your life, you do have to kind of uh, maybe, you know, see if you can get some, some extra help for them two things there that you said that have stuck with me so that 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 idea of worry time it's almost like committing that it's on the agenda Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so if you think of in a grown-up world you're like okay well we're not going to deal with that now but we will deal with it because it's on the agenda Mm -hmm. and we will get to it when it's the right time to and you do release a little bit of that frustration of feeling you know why is no one paying attention to this and it's like okay actually yeah you're right we'll move on with this task and then we'll we'll get to it when, when when we do it was when you said you used a line, which was, you know, and now what are we going to do about it? Mm. And it was giving the action, the permission and the action back to the child for them to figure out the next thing. And I'm sure actually if that was practiced yeah. all the time, then that builds up a real, oh, I can command this actually. Exactly. What you're trying to build up is self-efficacy. Yeah. Self-efficacy is belief in your own abilities. It's very much associated with being resilient and having well-being. We have to give children that belief. And unfortunately, what I've seen over my years teaching is, you know, parents with the best will in the world, 
that little bit of overprotection where you do sometimes rush in to solve something. The message it gives is, I don't believe that you can really cope. So yeah. I'm going to sort this for you. So again, your instinct is, oh, and I still have that for my son. He came in the other week. He was telling me all these things. I was already thinking of all the solutions, but I have to kind of bite my lip. Well, he'll tell me to anyway. But the idea is if you can just get off autopilot for a minute, listen, really that deep listening, and then say, you know, validate, say, yeah, that's, God, you've a lot going on there. Do you want to chat a little bit more about that? What, What do you think we should do? We put a plan into action. And, you know, that is known as solution-focused planning. So the idea that, yes, we can, I trust you to come up with a plan. And it's amazing when children, you know, you can, you can make it a bit of fun about it as well. Let's try this plan. Um, and if that doesn't work, that's another important thing. I would always say to the kids, if that doesn't work, we'll try another plan. We'll keep going. There's always a solution, whatever it is. So we'll keep going and we'll find the plan and giving them that sense of empowerment. So we're always trying with our children. I think you were talking about it at the start with your instinct mm. our instinct is to support we have to support but we also have to empower so if you're thinking to yourself how do I get that balance is this a moment for pure support or is this a moment where I can support and also empower and help them to realize well I can come up with solutions for this or I can have ideas and worry time can give them that um, and again you know talking about it validating it and you know again you're what you're saying is there I'm paying attention I know you're worried about that and I'm not minimizing it and this is important and we'll you know we'll come up with a solution having having have for children that worry hope is so so important hope and optimism you know that idea is you know we'll get through it we'll find a way and uh, it might be easy you keep trying but again uh, self-efficacy is so so important so talking validating supporting all of those things but as a parent, sometimes you have to do a little bit of enforcing. <laughs> you do. Like, oh, so yeah. if I'm having the conversation and it's it's circling around the fact that somebody doesn't want to go to school today mm. and I don't believe that it is because of an extreme anxiety situation, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assessing that it's on the lower end. Mm-hmm. And my instinct, of course, is still, you know, I want to, you know, mother and support you. But also the reality in me is saying, yeah, and you're going to school. Mm -hmm. So how do we play that as, you know, with everything that you've said to still be the parent that says, yeah, and you're still going in? Oh, God, that's the hardest one, isn't it? Um, Because it's almost easier in a way for us to say, you know what, no stay at home there. And of course, what does that lead to over time? The idea that every time there's a problem coming up, um, I, I won't really have to face it. So I think, first of all, you validate, you know, you say, look, I know you don't want to go to school and I understand that, but, and um, you know, you mightn't understand it, but I, you have to go to school, you know, and I know you, th- you know, you think I'm the baddie here and um, you have to hold that line on it. And sometimes you, will, you do have to fall out with your children over those kind of things. You can't be their friend all the time. And sometimes we're afraid of conflict. But you have to, you have to sometimes go there and try and stay calm yourself is very important, but making the hard decision. You can say, this is really hard for me. I'd love to let you stay home. I know you want to stay home, but it's not the right thing. And, and age appropriately. Mm. Um, I know my own daughter, which was an infant, told, you know, and she's very stubborn, strong-minded girl. And she decided one day she wasn't going into school anymore. And she said, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going in there anymore now. I don't really want to. Mm. And she was such a logical child. <laughs> So I had to, I think I threw everything at it, but I think in the end I did come down to threatening her after she didn't go in. 
you know, and we can laugh about that now, but obviously I have to go in. So, you know, it is age appropriate as well as to how you make those hard decisions and you have to be able to hold the line and say, wow, I feel this was this was hard. They're fighting with me and they're, they're not happy, but that's I'm doing. It's the right thing for them. So we're not failing if we do resort to good old fashioned enforcing. That's, no, definitely not. You know, children are more resilient than we think. You know, that's the other thing as well. We think, wow, if they if we say this or do this, but you know, honestly, they are more resilient. And sometimes they are, you know, pushing our boundaries as well and testing out limits. And children need boundaries. They need limits. They need to, they will push against it as well, depending on the child. Some children are more passive than others. Um, and your children will push. They will push. And you, and actually you're doing them a favor by holding that boundary. Mm. That's actually the thing you're doing. You do that out of love. It's tough love, but it's love. It's so, like our job really is to prepare them for yeah. real life. And exactly. sometimes real life yeah. has rules and we have to do things that we don't want to do. And yeah. I suppose I, at the moment, I'm just threading that line between teaching the rules of life and mm-hmm. not wanting to throw off the balance of the, the emotional mm-hmm. and the kind of the mental well-being. I'm trying to keep keep them yeah. well. But also be like, yeah, and, and this is tough and get on with it. <laughs> like it's my 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 instinct. It, I, I, I suppose I have toxic resilience um, where, yeah, if if I'm kind of struggling, I push harder as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, the opposite. Um, so I think as parents having meeting these challenges with our children brings up how we process them, how we adapt to them. Yeah. we don't give ourselves maybe the same comforts that we are now told to give to our kids you know um and yeah it's 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 hard to ha- change the hard wiring in ourselves when it would be within me to just be like come on now get on with it mm. and sit with it and say okay i i can't approach it that way yeah, and I think, you know, what, what I'm feeling there, what I'm sensing is a lot of guilt, because again, we have, we're trying to get that balance right, and if you feel we don't get the balance right, you feel guilty, but the idea is, you know, we're, we're not always going to get it right, and sometimes, and they are going to be upset, children are going to be upset, and when we talk about emotional well-being, I did mention it's not about them being happy all the time, that is not um, adaptive or helpful, it is toxic, so they you know, one of the hardest things as a parent is to recognise they are going to be anxious, they are going to be worried, they are going to be angry with us, they are going to be frustrated with us. So how can we actually, and that's a really important point that you made there, how can we actually um, cope ourselves with being in that position? Because you don't expect to be in that position with a child being that way about you or, you know, showing those those emotions, which are very normal. So again, minding ourselves, I do talk a lot about self-care and looking after yourself on an emotional level. Children learn to, you know, it's the idea of co-regulation. Children don't learn to regulate by themselves. They learn it in a process of co-regulation. So you regulating yourself, you thinking about these things, you having that awareness that, yeah, this is tough. Maybe the way I might have done it in the past wasn't helpful. What's another way to try and do it? And that it is messy. <laughs> you know, there's no, no, I'd love to be able to say there's a pathway, go down that pathway and everything will be fine. But it won't. And you're going to have ups and downs and to uh, self-compassion is a big part as well in parenting to treat yourself with self-compassion and to take that pressure off to 
to be everything and to do you know to be everything and to be all to your children it's not possible not 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 helpful so again to um just be prepared and to how can you prepare yourself reminding yourself is so so important as well looking after our own emotional well-being however we do that Fiona thank you so much for joining me today I think you've spoken so much that I needed to hear (laughs) as I'm yeah I'm definitely on on that curve of the next level of parenting where it's I have to figure out all the all the things that come with the emotional uh, well-being it's so important I suppose it's like one of the longest life lessons and life skills that we will teach our children um learning how to express experience and process their emotions will stay with them forever and I suppose that's why I'm probably feeling the weight of it because Mm. it's one of the things that I desperately don't want to get wrong um but leaning into expert advice like that and just changing I suppose possibly how we have always thought about things um and it's it's those little phrases and techniques to just have in our back pocket to pull out that can sometimes make the world a difference. Thanks, Sinead. I just do want to say one other thing in terms of emotional uh, well-being, the positivity ratio. We talked a lot about positivity and so on. But when our children are going through difficult times, um, negative emotions, difficult emotions are heavy. They, They last longer. They impact on us more strongly. And we sometimes forget that we do have to generate three times as much positivity. Don't know if you've heard of that three, three to one ratio. And I love sharing that, particularly if you're going through a hard time yourself or with your children, that allowing and again, just cultivating uh, opportunities for authentic positivity, whether it's a little bit of laughter, a little bit of fun, a little bit of joy, a little bit of gratitude and um, a little bit of hope, uh, inspiration There's 10 positive emotions and positive psychology. When I discovered them, it was I, I just really was transformative because I realized, well, I can't always control the fact that they're going to be angry and, and, and frustrated. I have to allow that. But I do also, uh, I can make sure that I provide opportunities every day to experience three times as much positivity. I hope that doesn't put you under pressure. <laughs> I think really it's just to be open to them and that they're not luxuries. They are necessities to sometimes lighten up and have a bit of fun and realize that by having a bit of fun, lightening up. Um, actually you're building their resilience because you're buffering them you can't always fix but we can buffer so buffer and uplift with the three to one I did want to say that as well because it has made a huge difference to me and to my own children going through tough times we can't always protect and shield them but what we can do is build them back up build them back up and buffer them yeah so yeah thanks a million Sinead I could be talking forever but I hope that was helpful those and it was great chatting to you hugely (laughs) on the journey (laughs) good luck on the journey Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland for their support. Their wipes are made with simply two ingredients and nothing else and are plastic free, meaning you can do what's best for your baby's skin and the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest at Fiona Foreman Wellbeing on Instagram.